In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In, in Him was the life, and that life was the light of men. good person. A man. Someone who lived a long time ago. He was in the world, and though the world was made, made through him, the world did not recognize him. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. He was a nice guy. A man in a book. Doesn't matter. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. I thought a lot about it. I go back and forth. Was he the son of God? Yet to all who received him, to those who believed his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. He is the way. The truth. The life. He's God. My king. My savior. All right. Some important questions for us to wrestle with uh, this morning. It's so much better when you can see it rather than just hear it, right? Nice job to our media folks back there. They're great. I just want to say uh, a special welcome again if you're here maybe for the first time and, or maybe you've been here for a while and you're just kind of feeling it out. You're kind of looking around and seeing, seeing what City Branch is all about and that's great. It's a great uh, safe place to be here, a place to ask questions, to be uh, accepted to belong here. Uh, you are welcome here. Uh, we want you to know that every week that you are always welcome here. And so we truly pray that you feel loved uh, and welcome during your time here today. As Mark said, there are Bibles available. Uh, we're, we're, there's a few here uh, on the ends if you still need one. Um, if you don't have one and you want one and somebody next to you has one, that's a great opportunity to get to know each other. Share a Bible because we're going to be digging into some different scriptures uh, today. And so um, if, if you need one, those are available. The video that we just saw asks such a short but yet simple question. One of the most important questions that we will ever ask, if not the most important question that we will ever ask in our lives. Who is Jesus? Really? Who is Jesus? Who, who is this Jesus that we base our entire faith on? That, 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 this Jesus that, that is the reason that we say that we have life today, the reason that we as the church, as, as any church exists, that we here um, on Sundays at City Branch exist, why do we come together? And so this question of who is Jesus, this isn't necessarily a new question. People have been asking it ever since Jesus first walked the earth over 2,000 years ago. Even when, when Jesus was here in, in our midst, fully present 2,000 years ago, the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders of the day, the people that, that, that had it supposedly all together and had their, their faces in Scripture, that they read Scripture, they meditated on it day and night, they were even confused about who Jesus was. And even his disciples, the 12 disciples, his followers, the guys that spent time with him day in and day out, they went everywhere with him, they did everything with him, they were even confused about who Jesus was. And so... Even uh, in our scripture for today that Mark read for us from Hebrews, these Jewish Christians, these new Christians that used to be Jews, that used to practice Judaism, 
they're confused about who Jesus is. It's still a question that even Jesus' own people have about him. Who is Jesus really? And so, if you could, just to get our uh, minds going a little bit this morning, I want you to grab one of those pens that's underneath your chair and uh, flip over your bulletin. Or if you didn't get a bulletin, there's the, you can use one of the white sheets uh, underneath. And we're going to do a little exercise here this morning. <clears throat> and what I'd like you to do is I want you to write down the very first thing that comes to mind when I ask you this question. Not Don't sit there and think about it. This isn't a quiz in theology. I just want you to write down the very first thing that comes to your mind and just write it down really big on the back of your bulletin or on that sheet. In one word or phrase, the very first thing that comes to your mind, who is Jesus? Just write it down right now. Don't think about it. Just the first, what's your initial gut reaction? Who is Jesus? Okay, got that. So I'm interested to hear uh, what you came up with, just kind of what we're thinking about this morning. So if anybody's brave enough, let's just have a few people just yell those out. Just yell down, uh, yell out what you wrote. Son of God, Savior, Lord, Comforter, Counselor, Spirit, anything else? Life, Strength, Excellent. Awesome. Okay, part two. Now the second question. Kind of similar, but a little bit different. Once again, write down the first thing that comes to mind. What is the first word, or maybe phrase, that comes to your mind about Jesus' personality? If you met Jesus, what would his personality be like? Write it down. What's the first thing that comes to mind? When you think about who Jesus is to you, First word or phrase that comes to your mind about his personality. If he walked in here this morning, Jesus is like this. Okay, for this one, actually, instead of me knowing, I want you to talk to each other. So I want you to turn to two or three people around you and tell them what you put down and why. Tell them what you wrote down and why, just to those people around you. Okay, I'm guessing, chances are that as you're hearing the different words and phrases that people said, they're not the same, are they? So you might wonder, hey, are we talking about the same Jesus here? Are we talking about the same person? All these different attributes, all these different names that you originally threw out about Jesus. And I'm guessing that for each of you, that what you wrote down or what you just told your neighbor is something very personal to you, isn't it? I mean, what is the reason that you chose that name? What is the reason that that's the first one that came to mind? Maybe it's a scripture that you read lately, but chances are, if you're anything like the rest of the people in the world, we have lots of different ideas, lots of different images in our head of what Jesus is like. There are so many different images that come to our mind, and and of course, I think if you're anything like me, a lot of the way that we see Jesus, the way that we view him as a person, is a lot of times based on our own experiences that we've had uh, with Christianity, your experiences with the church, who, who you've been taught that Jesus is, who you've been taught that Jesus is not, how, how you were brought up in your home maybe, affects a lot of how you see Jesus. What characteristic, what attribute of Jesus immediately comes to your mind? 
And as we look over the years, I think we'll find that people, especially followers of Jesus, have had this habit of, of we kind of make Jesus into something that, that we can relate to. We want our image of Jesus to fit the idea of Jesus. You know, I could, I could follow somebody like that. I, I like this picture of Jesus better than that picture of Jesus. Something that sits really well with us. And it's not necessarily all bad, um, these different images that we have. But we have to realize that Jesus simply can't be confined to just your perception of him. As you've heard, there's lots of different ideas. Have you heard each other talking? It's not just your perception of who Jesus is that matters. And so in light of our discussion, um, I had some fun on Google Images this week, and I thought I'd throw up a few different examples of images that people have of Jesus. Okay, so let's take a look at the first one. So here's gentle Jesus, right? Anybody a fan of gentle Jesus? He's there with the kids. I think those kids are right out of a Cabbage Patch doll package. And uh, so here's Jesus, nice, soft, gentle Jesus, wouldn't hurt a fly. He's hanging out with the sheep. Um, that is a very small sheep, and those kids all look the same. I think they're triplets, but just just looks like he's hanging out with the Cabbage Patch kids there, just nice and soft and gentle Jesus. So that's that's one image, and he's got sort of a rainbow around him, and he's just very happy. And okay, let's go to the next one. Um, here we go. This is what I like to call homeboy Jesus. Okay, I don't know if any of you are fans of homeboy Jesus, but um, you know it's kind of your your best buddy, the cool Jesus, maybe your BFF, your best friends forever Jesus. You know he's pretty cool. Uh, he's hip. He's he's kind of a jock in your high school. You know it's kind of the, the cool homeboy Jesus. Let's see what do we have next. Ooh, that's very different. Here we've got the saintly Jesus. Okay, almost looks like a you know like a painting that some famous painter did, and he's got that big thing on his head. I'm not sure what that is, but, but this is an image that people have of Jesus. He's saying peace to all of you, um, but kind of the, 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 um, the statue Jesus. He's just very unattainable almost like he's just kind of there and he's set in kind of like Han Solo, right? He's just kind of set in stone and can't really get at him kind of unattainable. What do we have next here? Oh, this is one of my favorites. This is the one I call the, I'm not amused Jesus. can't you just see like somebody told him a really bad joke and jesus goes really are you serious so this is the not amused jesus he doesn't think you're funny one bit so different images that people have of jesus and finally here's the one that i grew up with anybody recognize this one this is around a lot of churches this is the image that i grew up with plastered all over the walls of my church growing up and i remember for um for a while, like when I was going and, and going to Sunday school and, and, and reading these different stories about Jesus, I would be, I would be so confused because I heard all these stories about Jesus doing, you know, loving people and that people loved him and were a part of his life and he would do all these amazing miracles. And every, Jesus was a people person. And I was so confused because this is the image that I had of Jesus in my head. And so I was so confused because I was like, by the looks of it, I don't think the guy has a personality you know, how, how could he interact with people? How could he heal people? How come so many people, especially the outcasts, especially people that wanted nothing to do with religion or Christianity, didn't even exist yet or anything like that, how come they fell in love with this man so much that doesn't even have a personality? And so by the end of my time in Sunday school, I pretty much come to the conclusion that Jesus was Norwegian. And here's why. Number one, 
he's white, although he's got a little bit of a tan in this picture. So he's white. Number two, he's very serious and there's no room for fun. And number three, the man can grow a nice beard. I mean, you never saw Jesus without a nice beard, so he must be Norwegian because he looks like all those pictures of, you know, your ancestors. If you're Norwegian or German or anything like that, we like to put these pictures up on our walls of these, of these people. And you know, when people took pictures 100, 200 years ago, nobody smiled, right? So Jesus is kind of like them. He just doesn't have a personality. And that's the image that I grew up with. And so just, you know, like I did maybe growing up for you, maybe, maybe today you've settled on the fact of who you think Jesus is. You've got a certain image or a certain idea in your head of who you think Jesus is, what he was like when he walked this earth. See, you and I, we have this tendency to put Jesus in a box, into a box that that we can control, that, that, that we can explain. But then when we realize that Jesus actually probably didn't, even really look like that or didn't look like any of those images and that maybe Jesus doesn't want to just be your homeboy. It kind of blows our mind and Jesus kind of steps out of side of our box a little bit. And and Jesus doesn't fit any of the any of those nice images, then any of those molds that we try to fit him into. And we also get confused. Who is Jesus? And so this is where we find the people in the book of Hebrews that Mark just read for us this morning, quite confused about who Jesus is. Now, to understand our scripture for today, when we read this up in front every week, you have to understand that that's just a tiny little portion of a much bigger story, okay? The story of that whole chapter, the story of the whole book of Hebrews and what the author is trying to get across, and also the story of the Bible, this big story that God is telling that we're all a part of. And so what we'll find today is that to understand our scripture, we really have to understand the audience to which this scripture was written. Originally, it was not written to us here in 2009, believe it or not. We can relate to it. We can interact with it. But Hebrews was not written to us. Hebrews was written to mostly Jewish Christians, people who had grown up their whole lives as Jews, living this life, obeying the law, going through all these rituals and traditions, people that have kept the law for hundreds of years and their ancestors and their ancestors and their ancestors. This is the way that we do things. We go to the synagogue a certain number of times a day. We wash our hands in a certain way. We eat meat in a certain kind of way. We pray in a certain kind of way. And so this is this, this religion, this idea, this, they've been practicing it for years. But these are also the same people that for hundreds of years had been awaiting a Messiah, a rescuer, a savior to come. But now, when the book of Hebrews is written, just, just maybe even only one generation of new Christians following Jesus' life has passed. Just one new generation had passed. And there's still confusion over who Jesus is. It's almost like a really bad game of telephone where Jesus says, this is who I am. And then the next person says, okay, I got it. And they distort it a little bit and they distort it and so on and so forth. One generation only. And we're still confused about who Jesus is. Of course, that they, they believe in Jesus and his new way of living, but these Jewish Christians are not quite sure how to give up their old ways. Old habits are really hard for us to break, aren't they? 
we get in certain patterns and routines in our lives, you know, whether it's, whether it's eating healthier or maybe exercising more or even learning to follow Jesus, we, we often want to move to second base, but we're not willing to take our foot off, off of first. And so we kind of feel this tension. Jesus is not the kind of Messiah, not the kind of Savior that they expected to come. And so when we ask the question, who is Jesus? You can see why all throughout the years people are confused. That's why it's so important that we go to the source. It's so important that we let God's word tell us who Jesus is. So we're not simply relying on our own traditions and we're not simply relying on images that we have of Jesus. So if you could, turn with me to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is the last gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's going to be in the second half of your Bible, kind of the, the back half of your Bible, the very first chapter of John. If you've got somebody around you that's, that's found it, you can help out your neighbor. John chapter 1, and we're going to start right at the beginning in verse 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I actually think we got this up on the screen, but I want you to have it open because we're going to look at it a little bit. Let's read this together, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. It's almost like John is really trying to hammer home this point. He is God. He is the real deal. And so you, can, you can't just start with the Gospels. If you just went right to the Gospels and said, well, I think I understand the full view of who this Jesus is, we can't start in the Gospels. We can't start in the Gospels where Jesus comes on the scene and you see this grown 30-year-old man walking the dusty roads of Nazareth. That's way into the story. We have to start at the beginning, at the beginning of John. And so right away here, we know that Jesus is much more than just that bearded man that you saw in the old dusty picture on your church wall. Jesus is so much more than just a bearded man from Nazareth. John tells us that not only is Jesus God, he was with God in the beginning in this truth that we know as the Trinity. The Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is God, and he was with God, meaning that there's a fellowship. There's a three-person trio, a Trinity, that was there at the beginning. Jesus is God. And so the problem with our our perceptions of Jesus is just kind of a buddy or as our BFF or as our homeboy or just some stoic, boring man who's in a picture on a wall or maybe some nice little guy that likes to hold lambs once in a while, that the problem with that is that we, we construct this idea in our minds, Jesus is God, which means that we'll never be able to fully understand the enormity of who he is. All those things that you yelled out at the beginning, those are true, but they're all a piece of the picture. He's so much bigger, so much greater than we could ever get our minds around. Jesus is God. He's holy 
other. And as it says in the Psalms, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so when Jesus walked this earth, he was indeed God in flesh and bone. Very different from some of the opinions that we heard in that very first video. He was just a nice guy. Maybe Jesus was just a nice teacher. I don't really know. Does it matter? Of course it matters. When the God of the universe is walking beside you, of course it matters. Jesus became one of us. So if you still got John chapter 1, let's skip ahead to verse 14. And this is where the story takes a dramatic shift. Jesus isn't just this God that sits up in the heavens unattainable. Let's look at verse 14. The Word, who we just learned is Jesus, the Word became flesh, skin and bones. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so we can see that when Jesus steps on the scene and claims to be God, the, the, the Pharisees are there and they're, they're thumbing through the scriptures. They're, they're thumbing through their scrolls looking for an explanation of this. They're trying to put Jesus into this framework that they've created for him. This, this is what the Messiah is going to look like. And Jesus comes on the scene and says, I'm the son of God. Whoa, that is revolutionary for us that have been reading the scriptures forever. We just think, oh yeah, you know, Jesus claimed to be the son of God. That kind of language gets you killed. That's the kind of talk that gets somebody killed, claiming to be God. The Pharisees didn't even have the capacity to understand that Jesus was the very word, the very truth, the very life that they had been looking for their whole lives. He was outside of their box. And they, along with these Jewish Christians that we're reading about here in Hebrews, they failed to grasp the question, why would you want to worship something? Why would you want to give your life to something that you can understand? Why would we want to worship something that we could fully understand? Now, at this point, we could easily con- con- conclude from the evidence that Jesus is simply a God that is so otherworldly, that he's way up there. If Jesus is God, then the image that I have of God, kind of like the images of Jesus, is this great big old bearded man, except he's got a gray or a white beard, and he's up there in heaven, and he's just unattainable, and he's waiting for me to mess up. He's waiting for me to sin. He's going to slap me on the wrist with his big giant ruler when I sin. And that's the image that I have of God, but that's not who Jesus is either. If that's who he is, how can Jesus understand my life here today? How can Jesus understand what's going on right now, here, today, in my heart? Well, the writers of Hebrews seem to be after the same question and speak of an entirely different aspect of Jesus. So let's flip back over to Hebrews. We were in our, in our scripture reading this morning to Hebrews chapter 4. Is even farther back, almost to the very end of your Bible. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14. Or as some of my friends like to call it, Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. 
Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. This same Jesus who was fully God knows what it's like to be you. Not only did he create you, he's walked in your shoes. He knows what you feel. He knows more about you than you do. The same Jesus who was with God in the beginning became a tiny baby and grows to be a man who's not just a good teacher, who's not just a good buddy, but one who knew what it was like to live with nothing. Who knew what it was like to live with very little. To, to, he knew what it was like to feel every emotion that we, could every, that we could ever feel. He knew what it was like to find hope, even in the midst of pain and struggles. During my time in high school, there was a young man in our class named Andrew. And Andrew was one of the nicest guys that you would ever meet. He was a brilliant student, sang in the choir, um, played multiple sports, um, was on the same team, just filled with so much life. Until one spring afternoon uh, during our, I think this was our sophomore year, and we heard some terrible news that Andrew and some of his friends were headed out of town yeah, carpooling to go to a concert in a different town when the driver of the car lost control and flipped the car several times and landed and crashed in the ditch. And we later found out that Andrew was life-flighted to the nearest hospital before he passed away and became the only one in that car not to survive that crash. And he passed away at the age of 16. And so the story got around to his mother, and she was over, overcome with grief, obviously, and, and his mom actually got to be at the hospital, at his hospital bed with him during his last breaths. And so the mom's there with Andrew and the father trying to comfort the mother and then the single doctor standing there. And so after Andrew had passed away, the mother was spending some time out alone in the lobby by herself and had her head in her hands overcome with grief and sorrow. And so the doctor came out and thought long and hard about what to say. And so the doctor took a deep breath and said to the mother, Mary, there is hope beyond today. Don't be afraid of the future. His grace is enough for you today. And it was kind of quiet for a second, and she looked at him with just the meanest scowl on her face, and she looked at him, and she screamed back, Don't you talk to me about hope. Of course I'm afraid. Don't tell me not to be afraid. What do you know about suffering anyway? 
doctor was obviously a little bit taken back, but he took a deep breath and calmly and softly said to the mother, Ma'am, it was one year ago today that I lost my only son to his battle with cancer. I, I know that there is nothing that I could ever say to take away your pain, but I do know that there is hope beyond today. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. When you think about who Jesus is to you, doesn't it make a difference to know that the one who's walking with you has been there? Whether it's on the side of a hospital bed or whether it's the fact that Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed, that Jesus knows what it's like to lose friends, that Jesus knows what it's like to have someone close to him die, that Jesus knows what it's like to be lied to, to be cheated. Jesus knows what it's like to cry himself to sleep and to feel all those emotions and pains that maybe you're feeling a bit of today or this week. It makes a big difference when we know that the person who is our leader has gone before us. Why would you want to follow somebody who hasn't walked in your footsteps, who doesn't know what it's like to be you? And in the greatest sacrifice ever, God sends his only son, sending his son to die to a broken, sinful world, to live among us, to cry with us, to feel our pain. Sends his son to us so that you and I can have life. And so when we ask the question, who is Jesus? We can go into the history books and you can go to the library and you can dissect the scriptures and you can try to disprove or prove all the miracles that Jesus did. Maybe for you, you can even point to the church, not just this church. You could point to any church and say, that's the problem. You can point to Christians and say, that's the beef that I have with Jesus. That's the problem that I have with him. It's his followers. They don't get it. I've been burned by the church before. I don't like that church. I don't like this about that church. I've known Christians before and they're nothing like the person that they say they're following. Maybe the, the, the thought of who is Jesus for you immediately turns your attention to these, these churches or these Christians that you've had an experience with that seem to be so irrelevant, that seem to be so out of touch with real life full of empty tradition and they sucked you into that legalism and has nothing to do with what you're going through in your life right now. I have met far more people that have objections to Christians than to Jesus. Yet in many ways, that's understandable. As the church, we have fallen short and there's no perfect church out there, believe it or not, if you're looking for one. I hate to break it to you, but you're not going to find it. And you're not going to find it here. But it's for this very reason that we ask that question today. Who is Jesus? And we turn our eyes to him. Not because our sin and our shortcomings are not costly. They are. They cost Jesus his life. Not because we don't have a lot of trust to regain with those people that are outside the church 
but because we turn our eyes to Jesus. And as you look through the pages of that Bible that you have in front of you, when we start to exalt the beauty of who Jesus is, I think you'll find that no one ever lived like him. No one ever spoke like him. No one was ever as compassionate to sinners as he was. No one ever welcomed outcasts the way that Jesus did. No one knows how to humble us without humiliating us. Knows how to lift us up without flattering us. Jesus' hands alone tell the story of his love. Jesus was calm, yet filled with holy passion. Jesus was strong, yet gentle. Jesus was filled with grace, but spoke the truth unashamedly. Jesus was a common man who had no home, a friend, a healer, a brother, a son, and finally a savior. And so our confidence today, when we think about our faith, when you think about the reason that you're able to be here this morning, our confidence in this life is not in ourselves, but in Jesus who is a great leader, who is the best leader that you could ever follow, and a great savior who has died and rose again, that's the Jesus that we see in Scripture. Whatever he happens to look like, however long his beard might have been, whatever the color of his skin might have been, that's the Jesus that we see in the Bible. There was a recent article in the New York Times in which the author wrote, God's dead. Jesus is dead. God, God's dead. We need to be dancing on his grave. Well, what the author doesn't understand is that there's nobody in that grave. There's nobody in that grave. And that's the kind of God that we worship. The grave is empty today because Jesus is alive. And today, that Jesus that we talked about today offers you a relationship to put your faith in him. Not in our ability to be good enough, but in Jesus' ability and what Jesus has already done for us. Christianity at its core is not for people that want Jesus to just be their homeboy. Christianity is for people who need Jesus to be their savior or they're not going to make it. I believe we've got verse 14 from our scripture today up on the screen here. If we can take a look at that. Let's read this together knowing what we do know now about who this Jesus we talk about is. And let's read this like you mean it. Okay, you ready? Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Let's just read, let us hold firmly to the end. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Hold firm. Hold firm to that faith today. Who is Jesus? He's many of those things that you probably wrote down earlier. He's a God that has the power to save. And he's one who is walking with you 
today. May you know him today. And would you come along for the ride with us as we learn as a community what it looks like to follow this man named Jesus. Let's stand together. When we look at Hebrews chapter 4, we look at verse 16. We're reminded that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Are your prayers filled with confidence today? That same confidence that a little child would have when they run up into the arms of their father. Does that describe your prayer life today? We're told that we can come to God and say, Abba, Father, Daddy. This is what's on my heart today. This is, this is what's on my mind today. And so today we are going to spend some time in prayer and we are going to approach the throne of grace with confidence. And spend some time with our Heavenly Father who has done everything to bring you life, who has done everything to be in a relationship with you today. And so let's just spend some time in prayer and talk to him about who we think he is, about who we think this Jesus is. Let's ask God to be with us in a powerful way.